Captain's Log, Stardate 16. Uh, these are the continued voyages of Ensigns Mark and Eddie as we trek our way through all of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, coming to you live from 10 Forward, where we are watching the canonically established recordings of all these episodes off of the ship's computer. Uh, anyway, I'm Eddie Edwards. I'm joined as always by Mark O'Neill. Mark, how, how you doing? How you been? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, getting there. Um, I, I don't really have much to 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 have at the start but um <laughs> i'm going to a restaurant tonight that i'm really looking forward to oh and uh if it's good i'll tell everyone about it on the, the next episode so tune in true believers because <laughs> you never know you you might you might be like oh my god i'm in glasgow and i really really need some mexican food in the west end of glasgow <laughs> where there's mexican food fucking everywhere um <laughs> Because Mexican food is like, like so Glasgow is um, a shithole. Very Mexican, right? <laughs> like culturally, like don't tell this to other Glaswegian people, and luckily none of them will listen to this. But as a city, it's just it's just the it's just the worst. No, it's no Manchester's the worst, but it's <laughs> it's kind of. Like Glaswegian people, first of all, are born with the inane, the innate, the inane, but also the innate understanding that they are the most hilarious person who has ever lived. Whether <laughs> yeah, scousers have the same thing. Yeah, whether uh, that's true or not. No, I like scousers. <laughs> whether that's true or not is up in the air. Um, but culture here is uh, uh, asking people what school they went to, so that you know what football team they are tangentially connected to. So that you can make sure that you're stabbing the correct person, right? <laughs> um, it's it's great, but also fuck everything about it. Um, when I first lived in Glasgow, and by that I mean when I was born, there wasn't really that much going on. There was uh, your usual like fish and chips, but food culture hadn't really gotten here yet. Um, Mexican food is kind of one of the first, other than your... Well, obviously, we've had Indian food and Chinese food for so long that racists just think that it's part of our own culture. Um, yeah, Brit Brit Britain is one of the only nations, other than like it, like that is outside of like the Indian Peninsula that invents curries. There's yeah. people in India like going, "What's a what's a chicken tikka masala? That's, that's not even a thing. What?" Chicken tikka masala uh, was invented in Glasgow, and despite everything I've just said about Glasgow, if anyone from Birmingham tries to argue with me on that, I'll ask you what school you went to, uh, which <laughs> as we just decided. Uh, so, um, uh, so, so, Mexican, so the Mexican food in Glasgow, there's a lot of it, um, and it's and it's all fairly good. Not as good as in London, but I've heard that this one is really good. So anyway, if you're in Glasgow in the West End and you're not directly next to a Mexican restaurant, in which case, just go into that one, it's probably fine. Uh, try El Jefe's, which, I say that, I might come back next week and it might have been shit. Yeah, it's either next week we'll either be a scathing review of El Jefe's, or we won't mention it, because the people in the service industry have not enough shit. <laughs> so, Alright, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I don't want to be like, I don't want any of those fuckers who leave two star reviews. Uh, you, you're ruining somebody's livelihood. I just uh, have to deal with a a one star review, which, to to be fair, oh. is was somewhat justified. <laughs> um, but did, uh, did you start by asking what school they went to? <laughs> <laughs> they left in ribbons, mate. Uh, no, I have to deal with the fucking star review process, and honestly. Um, if you leave four stars out of five for something because you think that you can genuinely tell the difference between a four-star service and a five-star service, um, please make yourself known because your overinflated sense of self-importance is probably enough to power a small country. <laughs> so how are you doing, Eddie? Yeah. Um, oh, I had to fix the sofa this week. Uh, so that was... When we, we moved into this place, we got a sofa from a charity shop, and um, I am what's known as a large man. So, mm. what, and this is a, quite a worn-out sofa. So, when I sat on it one day, the, uh, uh, the you know sometimes you sit on a sofa and it gets stick like crumples, and you're like, oh, 
That's a spring gone. I'm going to have to get in there and open open it up. No, no, no. The entire wooden piece across the back of the sofa that all of the springs were in had broken in half. Mm-hmm. So I got to do one of those fun activities where you like you look at something. So every now and then you look at something and be like, you know what? Actually, I think I have all of the tools needed to fix this. Yeah. So I had to like get a, open the back of the sofa, get a bit of wood, replace it, put all the like um, clips for the springs on, and put it all in. And now I've got a sofa that works completely fine looks more or less exactly the same as it did before but i'm unusually proud of and i can't explain why to anybody who comes around and sees it because all they see is a sofa and it's like <laughs> no i fixed that and it's like it's like it, that's the problem with fixing something it's yeah. like i haven't made anything it's just back to where it was before i broke it so while i've got immense pride in the work i've done there's literally nothing to show for it uh it's just unfucked <laughs> <laughs> um I haven't unfucked anything recently, uh, so I, I'm 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 proud of you. <laughs> I I know how it feels. I know how it feels the first time that you repair something with like anything other than duct tape, mm. which apparently is pronounced duct tape, and the world has just gone on this weird three sixty experience where everyone was like, "Hey, it's not called duct tape; it's called duct tape because you use it in ducts." But apparently it's terrible for use in ducts, and uh, yeah. that that was just invented by a pedant. Uh, what it's right. actually used for is securing one duck to another. <laughs> I, I see in my head, you know sometimes when you think you've gotten to the punchline first, I thought you was going to say repairing ducks. <laughs> <laughs> So you swerved me at the end there. It caught me off guard. I was, I was, well, well done. Nice. Uh, yeah. Speaking of being caught off guard, <laughs> this was quite a pleasant little episode of Star Trek. Uh, it, 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 it was. Yeah. It, I have, I have, I have some slight issues with just how pleasant it was, given the subject nature. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and how they were just let away with it at the end. But we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, if, if this this episode is when the bow breaks, uh, it is fortunately not as Wesley heavy an episode as I was worried about when I saw the description. Um, <laughs> oh, they, they they find a weird planet. They nick some of their kids. That's the plot of this episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's 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 very basically the plot. And at the end, they resolve it, and the kids come back. And yeah. nobody faces any charges. Nope. Uh, if anything, the, the, the criminals, the people who stole the kids, actually come out better from the experience. Yeah, and it ends with a sitcom-style laughing freeze frame moment. <laughs> which, does. again, I will remind you, this is an episode in which six children are kidnapped. <laughs> What's your favourite piece of media in which a bunch of children are kidnapped? Uh, Piper O'Hanlon. Because uh, uh, it pay pay your fucking freelancers. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite. Um, they were, do you reckon they're like, we'll let you get rid of all the rats. We'll, we'll pay you in exposure. <laughs> <laughs> like I obviously I I don't believe in being paid in exposure, right? I I think it's really shady. I I do actually charge for my time for things because I, I think it is valuable. If you're listening to this for three, it's because I put so little fucking effort into this that I, that I, I don't need the time that I spend recording it. I, I would pay you. Um, no, that doesn't make any sense. So at the time, the Pied Piper of Pamlin, right? So his thing is, he shows up, he says, I've got a magic flute. First of all, yep. why isn't anyone like, how does that work? Um, they just accept it. He goes, I have a magic flute and I can use it to get rid of all the rats. And the people of Hamlin are like, yeah, that checks out. So, he uses the flute to get rid of the rats, right? And then, when they don't pay him, he obviously takes all of their kids. The thing is, um, there was a lot of rats back then. There's a lot of rats now. Yeah. So, if that is his first gig, like, yeah, you don't want to pay him an exposure, but but he is kind of coming out of nowhere, and it's not like the town is more overrun by rats than anywhere else. The rat service i guess it's about the plague or whatever but the actual service that he's providing isn't really that necessary so i i mean pay your freelancers but i think he should have just gone listen can you just leave a review on my website 
that just I, says I, that I've done this really well. I see. I think it's personally, I think it's short-sighted that he just gets rid of the rats. Yeah. This man has acquired an army of rats. There's literally a there's literally a Batman villain. I mean, if you've seen Suicide Squad, it's one of the special powers of the Suicide Squad. It's it's surprisingly more useful than you would think because there is literally millions of rats in every major city. He could literally take over the world with this power. Uh, so I am um, no, you're right. But then, how much can he control the rats, or do they just follow him? That's still terrifying. If you get enough rats, if he just went on a tour of Europe, so long as you're <laughs> always faster than the rats, yeah, you're jamming. Just never go to sleep. <laughs> I once, I I do some freelance editing work every now and again, um, and I got bummed once because I didn't put a watermark on the preview video that I sent, which uh... the client was just like, yeah, fair. I made a, it was a, I can't remember it, it was, I can't remember what it was, um, but. Um, she obviously was like, well, this is about 90% done, so it's basically done. So I'll, I'll fuck that guy, I won't pay him. Uh, so after that, I started putting uh, a watermark. The next job that I got was for someone's dad's birthday. It was basically getting all the phone messages in that people have, hi, uh, James, uh, uh, Shubaluba, gob gob, <laughs> I remember that from the olden days. Uh, happy birthday, you old fuck. Um, try not to break a hip when you're slagged, shagging all those prostitutes and all that, right? And um, I put them all together, but what I did was I done a watermark of a giant dick in balls. Um, and I they sent it, to leave it on. I sent the preview, and they were supposed to put it on like the big, big screen at a party. Everyone had filmed it in fucking vertical orientation, so it made me physically sick that they were going to do this. But. Um, the day of, she still hadn't gotten back to me to be like, that's great, can you send the one without the dick? Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna, oh shit. Uh, but uh, fine, about an hour before the party was supposed to start, she was like, oh sorry, I'm late. It's a, a story that didn't have an ending, really. Much like this one. Um, so, the, so the Enterprise comes up against a planet that's been hidden from the rest of the universe because they're they're very scientifically advanced like yeah they're so scientifically advanced that they can just pursue art or anything else which to me was bizarre because isn't that what the federation yes is? thank you that was my uh, that, yeah how is that they, they've, they've stumbled across what to us is a utopian vision of the future but to them was tuesday uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's, yeah. The I, I, only difference between their society and ours is that the children are told that they don't have to learn maths at school. Yeah, and and the transporters are slightly quicker. Yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's it. it's like oh, we can't beam through their shields, but people can't beam through your shield. That's the point of having shields. It's yeah. So uh, oh, yeah. I'll say I want to put it out as well before we get on. Kim Manners directed this episode. Um, this is the only episode of Star Trek directed by Kim Manners. If you don't know who Kim Manners is, if you've ever watched X-Files or Supernatural, you've seen Kim Manners' name. Um, they did all of that. Uh, they, any, they worked on so much TV. Yeah. They're legendary. And uh, yeah, just, I just thought I saw Kim Manners' name. And, yeah. Recently. 20, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not that, yeah. apparently, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a... It was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I've never actually looked at Kim Manners' IMDb page, and it's just every TV show you've ever enjoyed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love me a supernatural procedural. Um, yeah. Especially especially one where my brother and I send text messages about supernatural episodes to each other quite often, um, and it's always on the episodes. We, we, we're actually, we play a game, which is what is the most baffling... Uh, crime scene that the, a detective could walk into after an episode of Supernatural. <laughs> so there is a Christmas episode where uh, two pagan gods in the form of quite nice a nice older Christmas stereotype couple um, kidnap people from their beds dressed as Santa Claus and torture them in the basement and Sam and Dean solve this problem by stabbing them with the branches of a Christmas tree. 
a detective has to walk into that house, see the couple stabbed on the floor and think, oh my God, what the fuck has happened? Then go down into the basement and find the bodies of the missing people from the rest of the town uh, strung up on meat hooks. And at that point, surely they're just like, you know what? Car accident. <laughs> my my favourite um, game to play with Supernatural is at the beginning of it, before the opening credits, is to guess whether the blood splash is coming left to right, right to left, or very rarely, uh, down to up. Oh, uh, the down to up one, isn't it? That's a popular one, isn't it? Uh, not yeah, uh, I, I love it when I love it when it's demon blood, like when it's like oh the scary supernatural thing's been murdered by something even worse, and you're like, but supernatural's great. Even, well, let's put it, rephrase that. The first five super seasons of supernatural are great, even up to season eight is really really good, and, that, and then the rest of it is a lot of fun, but not good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah. I used to play a game with the people that I worked with. Uh, in a cinema on at lunchtime, uh, we would stick on an episode of NCIS, um, and, and we'd, we'd bet something. Like we, if we had like a chocolate bar or something, we'd bet it against each other. Um, and the game was who can be the quickest to figure out what the fuck this has to do with the navy. <laughs> NCIS. Me and uh, my uh, flat uh, old flatmate Matt used to watch all the time, and yeah. we, I, I think, I, I we, the NCIS is a TV show that has never once raised the bar to a level that it can no longer clear it. Yeah. <laughs> it is very happy being exactly where it is. It knows what it is, and it's just going to keep doing that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And when those actors leave that show, you'll never hear from them again. <laughs> Did you know it's the most watched television show on the planet? Really? Yeah. And it has been for like 10 years running. I'm guessing it's because it, it's not like it's like it's the it's everybody's 809th favorite show. <laughs> like, no, no, nobody hates it. Nobody has a strong enough opinion on it either way. But, I, I uh, like it. Yeah, yeah. I like the characters. They're they're fun. I, I like I like that uh, teenage emo girl that's 65 years old. <laughs> um. So so the the shields right the the shields. Yeah. Uh. Not only are they quite advanced shield wise but they actually shield the planet from light meaning that the planet is effectively invisible yeah. um they hear first of all well my first note is uh did you notice that uh lots of sexy Riker moves when he walks down the hallway Riker was taking that hallway like his own um but then they get in and he, he Captain Picard says have you heard of Altair Riker says yes of course it's the mythical planet yeah it's their version of Atlantis yeah, no one knows if it's real. Um, and uh, Picard says, well, we might have found it, but we don't have it on our sensors. Troy then says that she can sense it, which I have to say is a real roll of the dice on her part. Because obviously <laughs> she can't. Uh, Troy's, Troy's brilliant in this episode in terms of just being... Right, because there's a after the kids get kidnapped, Troy is trying to explain to the, the Ordeans why this might be a problem. And she uses the phrase, humans are unusually attached to their offspring. <laughs> I will remind you of Troy's relationship with her fucking mother at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out that they, they, they do specifically play up the fact that it's humans particularly who care about their kids. Other species apparently don't, which... <laughs> look, I don't expect anybody who listens to the show to be an expert on the concept of evolutionary biology. But if you don't care passionately about keeping your kids alive, your species cannot evolve. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's... Yeah, love is but a series of chemicals that your brain releases to keep you alive for another second. Yeah, right up until the point you reproduce, at which point, from a genetic standpoint, you don't matter anymore. Yeah. All that matters is making sure your offspring survives to a point where it can reproduce. And that's, that's... why I've never donated to a sperm clinic. Because <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to take the risk. Because I'll I'll know when it happens. If I had donated to a sperm clinic, I, I'd be sitting on the bus one day and all of a sudden I'd get a chill and that's when I realised I wasn't important anymore. <laughs> And then 18 years later, they'd come fucking showing up, looking for the money, and there isn't any, Eddie, there isn't any, because do you know what? I've wasted my fucking life. I've wasted all my potential. Every, everything. I'm I'm a fucking shell of a man, and it's 
and it's your fault. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the 18-year-old that's just showed up at my door. And it's your fucking fault. I didn't even need that 10 quid that much. I just thought it'd be interesting to see what a sperm bank was like. And now you fucking killed me. Anyway, come in. <laughs> um, okay, I, 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 have, I have a question about the society, Mark. Because so... They, they they say they've got this philosophy where everything has to be traded for a price, which I assume means that they've got no like exploitative business practices and yeah. therefore no billionaires. Yeah. So why do they need all these children? Uh, if not for a secret underground paedophile billionaire ring, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, well, Mark, as well. They, 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 the the Odeans seem to know a lot about like the the enterprise. Like they say, we've been monitoring you for some time. And they've like probably gone through their computer records. At no point during any of this have they run across the concept of adoption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They could have been like, hey, guys, weird question. We can't reproduce. Have you got any spare kids? And then the Enterprise would have been, actually, we've had nine red shirts die this week. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My favourite... Um, it's, it's, it's now to do with this. It's because you didn't... Uh reciprocate a question that I asked earlier like oh. a dick um, okay. my favourite <laughs> piece of media to deal with uh. stolen children right is there's a series of Torchwood called Children of Earth oh you're so good uh, yeah. and I, I love it right? it it's genuinely great uh, it's like five ep- it was five episodes over five nights it's basically um, what if a problem happened to Earth that was uh. so fucking heinous uh, and the humans dealt with it in such a terrible way that the doctor didn't even bother showing up to save to solve the situation. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's not a subtext. Gwen literally says that that is what's happening. Um, but the the bad guys in this uh, in this series of Torchwood, they are a race of kind of sentient, almost like plant snake looking things, and they come to Earth, and they. Uh, they, first of all, the, what they want is really horrible. They want they don't want the children like the Altaians. They want the children because children have a certain brain chemical that they use to get high. Great, <laughs> right? But the best thing about it is, um, and, and this was, I thought, was a spectacular piece of writing, which is the aliens come to Earth and they say, give us 10% of your kids or we'll take 50%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. or, if you've never seen Torchwood Children of Earth, watch it. It's fantastic. Um, the, there's there's a great politics in it. Yeah, yeah. The, the the there's the entire subplot with the civil servant who's involved in like overseeing it and like they're being well, well, well obviously somebody from outside's going to have to give up some of their kids, otherwise the rest of it. And the line, well, the, the it has the line. Well, how are we choosing these children? It should be random. No. What are the school league tables for? Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's also the fact that it's when you learn that, that it's like it's like this is spoilers for a TV show that came out very a long time ago. But you do find out as well that it's not the the, the reason that they're here isn't to get children. It's to get more children because they've been here before, and we just gave them kids. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Captain Jack <laughs> is the one that gave them the kids to make them go away. <laughs> It's so fucking good. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, also, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and it does raise the question: what What does the planet do when the Doctor isn't going to show up? Like, it, yeah. it's, it, it's a phenomenal television. Um, yeah. But so, so the, the next thing, so they they have a, a superior beaming technology. Yes, and yeah. they can beam through the Enterprise's shields, and they can also yeah. scan through them, and they basically just take six kids just yeah. out, just out of the hands. Quite literally out, out of the hands of their parents. Um, the best and, kids, uh, they make it clear. It's the ones they've decided are the best. Yeah, and Dr. And Crusher Wesley. seems to be exactly appropriately bothered about Wesley disappearing, <laughs> which is not. The parents have a meeting at one point, and, Bev, and they're all very upset. And Beverly is like, well, we knew the risks when we signed on. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, want, I want to see that box on the forms. Like when you sign up at Starfleet, you uh, Starfleet is not liable for the loss of any children. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I imagine it. I imagine the tick box just says um, the question is got kids, 
Um, and the, the first option is no, and the second option is oofed. <laughs> now, oh. as one of the through lines with this episode as well is that Picard is, is trying to work out how to save the kids. But, it, the, but there's a whole thing where he's like, well, if the Ordeans throw their cloak up again, what are we going to do? And it's like, you're, you, you still know where the planet is, Picard. <laughs> gonna, it's not like they can shield it and then fly away slowly. It's a planet, so just hang around here and get more people. But um, that, that was something that I found quite baffling because to go against what you just said, um, the Altaeans, um they use the special effect that will be later used to show Q flying them into the Delta Quadrant and yeah. Q, um, and they send them away, and it's like three days away, and then the Altaeans message the Enterprise and say. Look, if you try to take your kids back, we'll send you so far away that it, you'll, they'll be grandparents by the time you find them, which is like a really effective threat. But then they just fly back there. Like, surely the Altaeans would be like, yeah, they're not coming back here to watch, are they? They're, they're clearly going to get their kids back. <laughs> so just do it. I, That's look, a good point. I, I, I don't think this needs to be said. I don't actually support the act of stealing children. No, no. So well, let, let's be honest, Mark, because we need to we need to address this. It's not stealing. They do offer uh, a fair price. Uh, that's the point. Is Picard has to negotiate with them, and he's like just doing it to keep them talking while they yeah. work out how to get their kids back. So, uh, Mark, I, uh, I I thought I'd do some research into this. Uh, so I googled how much is the fair price for a child, and then because I did that on a work computer, I had to have a conversation with HR. What race? But, um, <laughs> right. Do you want to know? I've got I've got price from low to high. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 most expensive you're going to splash out for a child in modern day planet Earth is um, two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. That's cheap. Gets gets you a, gets you a Roman ch- a Roma child bride. That's mm-hmm. your most expensive. But in Mozambique, apparently, you can buy a baby for two dollars. Just get five. Uh, of them. It's like it's yeah. like McNuggets. There's there's no point buying a nine nugget box. Just get the twenty. Um, and um, if if you're looking to buy a UK child, um, you're looking somewhere in the region of twenty five grand. That's American though, so probably about twenty grand UK. That's like that's cheaper than half a Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Which is the monetary system by which I value. <laughs> human lives how many teslas is that person worth yeah i mean what what you really need is like if you basically if you're thinking you can live off selling a child for that much money you, you can't unless of course you manage to get the uk press on your side somehow and start do a series of books and interviews all your life and then hopefully think that people forget at some point that it's your fault um <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, if the McCanns had been working class, they would have been imprisoned. The money they got back to the UK. Anyway, uh... by the way, speaking of the working class, um, I have a theory. So this planet that we go to, Altair, um, we see that it's a is it, it's like an artist's paradise. Like you go there, yeah. you don't have to do anything um, other than pursue the art, right? Which which made me wonder is the, is there a working class on this planet whose blood is fueling all of this? Like comfort, I, because he is. Because I, I had a thought. Right, imagine if you, obviously perception is reality, right? But imagine if you were an alien, and you came down to Earth, and your one point of contact was just Jacob Rees Mogg's house, right? So like a real super class, Victorian fucking Charles Dickens villain of a Tory. If you if they and if he said oh if the alien said tell us what life is like here but we're not going to leave this house we just yeah. want you to give us an accurate representation they'd think that being a Tory was class yeah like they think it was amazing um is that what's happening here well yeah they don't leave they don't seem to leave the one complex yeah and the people in that complex seem bafflingly out of touch with reality. Yeah. Like there's there's a, there's a reference like one of them like is good at wood carving like that's the talent they've identified in them so they, he carves a dolphin and they're like oh it's a dolphin and then they're like 
Oh, it's, and he explains fish to them. And they're like, oh yeah, we used to have fish in the ocean. And then they just walk past that as if... I, I, I can't... If you told me, Mark, that there was an entire category of life that used to exist on, on my planet that didn't exist anymore, and it wasn't something we were aware of, like it's not like the dinosaurs. If they just went, if like somebody turned up and went, oh, it's weird. Where are all the flamble bombs gone? Go, what the what are the flamble bombs? You know the dominant species. There were loads of them all over the place, like three hundred years ago, and then they just disappeared, and we didn't talk about it. I'd be fucking concerned about that. <laughs> be, that would be my my uh, yeah. It's oh, it's. They, they, yeah, so it's so one of the kids is a musician, one is like a woodworker, and you see one playing a genuinely shit video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Wesley, and Wesley. Yeah, it's everyone's favourite son. The write up of this episode is, is, is the write up of this episode says um, that um, the uh, <laughs> the the children lead a passive resistance against like. Like, like through non-violent, non-cooperation. Um, that's what the write-up of this episode on Netflix says. So I was figuring that was going to be like the bulk of the episode. But no, that's something that Wesley decides to do with like 12 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. d- um, did you... So um, the the kind of... The main Altea, not the, not the lads, the, the, the woman... The one um, who's got the, the baff, most baffling haircut we've seen in Star Trek so far. Yeah. A braid and a quiff. I don't... What? <laughs> Did you recognise her from another... It, I wouldn't even use the word franchise, because as far as I'm concerned, there's only one of them. Uh, series with star in the title. With star in the title? Um, I didn't. I did recognise her as Lillian Luther. Um, uh, Lex and uh, Lana Luthor's mum from Supergirl. Uh. Ah, uh, so she was the captain of the ship that Carmen Ibanez is on in Starship Troopers. Oh! She gets crushed by the door. <laughs> I sat there the entire episode promising not to go on IMDb, torturing myself trying to figure out who that woman was. Yeah. Um, and I, I, had, I had the same with Radu. Uh, Jerry Hardin, the actor who I did eventually give up and look for, who is the like main antagonist in this episode. Um, and when I saw it, I hated myself for not getting it because he was, of course, Deep Throat in the first two seasons of the X Files. Ah, right. He was the guy feeding Mulder all of his information. Uh, um, so going back to the passive resistance, uh, the 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 kids they say so they, look the 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 Altaians they can't have children so they steal a bunch of children from the Enterprise saying that they are going to teach the children the Altaian uh, way of life and culture so that they then can go on to reproduce and it's more about keeping the culture alive than it is genetics which is fine two problems uh, they don't bring enough kids for a viable gene pool no that's correct. And actually, that, I don't know why I said two problems because that's the that's the one that's going to be a real incesty planet. Um, yeah. But then the the kids obviously don't like being taken away from their parents, which the Aldeans obviously kind of figure out because uh, Captain Starship Troopers is holding a little girl, but the little girl has been promised to another family. Yeah. And when uh, your man says no, we have to give it to the other family, she says, "I'll never let her go." Um, which is good because now you know how Doctor Crusher should feel. But um, <laughs> yeah, the they, kids... they're assigned units, and yeah. they they, scro- they say that the units are um, uh, like groups of people who are bound bond together by common interests. And Wesley says, "Oh, like a family," uh, which shows that Wesley doesn't know what a family is. Because, <laughs> for for instance, in Wesley's own family, Wesley is quite interested in the subject of Wesley. Whereas Beverly couldn't give a toss. <laughs> she fucking she abandons him for an entire season because she wasn't getting paid enough to be his mother. I don't I don't know, I don't know what this was in reference to because it's actually been we've had to reschedule this so it's been about three days since I watched this episode. But yeah, I, yeah. at some point in this episode, I've written down in my note this is what Britain would have looked like under Corbyn. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. 
I'm I'm to you. I'm not exactly certain what scenes certain of my notes apply to. I've just got I've got a note here that just says Crusher gets to see Wesley, but I've put gets in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> Because Picard bullshits her onto the planet before asking if she wants to come. Just yep. like assuming that there would be some sort of trace of motherly instinct. That she'd be like, well, yeah, yeah I, I want to come down. But you can tell from the look on her face, she's like... He bullshits her in the same way that like, when John Crusher was like, yeah, I've definitely pulled out, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they wanted a kid. They didn't know it was going to turn out to be Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the kids eventually realise that they missed their parents and they want to get back to them, but the Aldeans won't let them. So, as you said, they, they, sit, they do a bit of a sit-in, they do a bit of passive resistance, and Wesley explains this and says, all we do is just ignore them and we don't do anything, and eventually they'll just get so sick of us uh, that they'll send us back, which presumably he has experience with. Now, <laughs> um, it's nice to see a bit of passive resistance being performed uh obviously wesley has read the biography of bobby sands so that's that's good it's nice to see the bobby sands method not as not as much uh fecal matter as i was expecting but <laughs> can't win them all um but um, it's, it's it's nice to see wesley taking charge i was reading about the production of this um and apparently the director of the episode had the same uh, feeling as you were, which basically boiled down to, I was worried there was going to be a lot of Wesley in this, but it turned out to be alright. Um, <laughs> he said that the... Or they said, I can't remember if it was a man or a woman. Uh, they said that... Oh no, it was Kim Manners. Yeah, so, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, so Kim said that uh, Wesley really took charge of the other kids and apparently was an absolute pleasure to work with and really yeah. stood in as the head of that little unit, which I... Wesley's I it's, the best character I, at the moment. I, I, do, I do think we, we do have to seriously address this as a point, which is that as as far as I'm aware, there's not a single human being on the planet who has a bad word to say about Will Wheaton. He yeah. just seems like one of the genuinely, genuinely one of the most loveliest, nicest guys around. Uh, and yeah. it's just unfortunately... He was the annoying kid in Star Trek. <laughs> and, and now that we've gotten the weekly praise for Will Wheaton out, I will put in the other thing uh, that Laura says that we say in every episode. This is a great data episode. Yeah, yeah there's some very good data happening in, in and around, in the background of this. I quite like that. Because there's a bit where like data's like, he's trying to work out one way of punching through the shield, but he's also got another theory about something like that and he's doing the mathematical calculations for that in his head like I think at the same time it's like oh there's like this many permutations it'll take a while for me to work through all of them and it's something like a ridiculous like 300 million or something like that and he's like yeah I'm gonna do that in my head while I sit at the computer and do this (laughs) other thing while I fly your starship (laughs) (laughs) Um, there is a Picard has a line in this episode which is a great Picard line, but when I heard it, I felt like it belonged in, like, somebody would, this is the kind of thing somebody should post on Facebook over the picture of a forest, and it was, things are only impossible until they're not. That's the sort of thing that your racist auntie would post on Facebook, and then just, like, with, like, the hashtag, believe in yourself. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then hashtag, uh, no one, uh, I, I bet no one shares this. Uh, can't see anything these days. Uh, people just scroll. People just scroll by this, but those who stop, they know. I said, oh, "Fuck off!" Yeah, do scroll by it because I've seen fifty of them today on this AIDS site. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is because uh, I don't want to get any grief. But there's a comedian I quite respect that we know who's getting very. You can't see anything these days, and it's such an obvious fucking. Well, clearly I'm not doing that great with the regular people audience, so I'm going to have to start appealing to <laughs> to those people. Um, um, to, 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 to the you can't joke about anything crowd. I did a solid five minutes the other day on my brain tumor, which so so yes, you can. If you just like, you just yeah. got to be in the right position and have the right angle on it. Yeah, the, but, the, yeah. Oh, oh, but what? So what you saying? I can't, I can't do five minutes about the brain tumor in the head of a Down syndrome kid that I kicked the other day. Was that what you're fucking saying? 
fucking like you Nazis, can. mate. It's like you can, but it probably won't get any laughs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, piss off. Uh, anyway, let's not start talking about cancel culture because one, it doesn't exist, and two, yeah. uh, piss off. Um, Pete, the only people who complain about cancel culture do it from the uh, their desks in very large houses, yeah. <laughs> in very exclusive neighbourhoods, and never talk to people who they don't even buy, they don't even buy their own coffee anymore. Not, they haven't spoken to a poor person in a decade. Uh, um, there was some spectacular perm work in this episode uh, from that mum. <laughs> um, so that that scene was quite frustrating for Laura um, because she was. Uh, trying so that that there's a there's a yellow shirt uh, a woman uh, yeah. and a, a yellow shirt in next gen I'm not quite sure I think it means operations doesn't it and so I've seen a theory float around about the the red shirt yellow shirt thing and I it's never been addressed as true it's just a fan theory that floats around and it's so genius I I want it to you know, just to accept it as canon which is at some point there is there is an event where like. An entire crew of, of Starfleet officers get wiped out, and it's everybody on board that ship was a red shirt, and the only survivor is the captain, <laughs> who's a gold shirt in the original. And because of this, um, to sort of like they they introduced a bunch of like more safety measures, which is why we've not had that much like red shirt death mm. up until this point. And as a symbolic gesture, Starfleet changed the colours over. Uh, because the so, so that the commanders now had to wear the red as like a look. It's not cursed. It's not a thing. There's only a certain number of colours. <laughs> Green doesn't show up that well on television. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I I agree. So so there's the so this woman she's a she's one of the parents of the missing children, um, yeah. and uh, Laura was getting quite frustrated because she does she has a spectacular perm uh, that covers her shoulders, but it means that you can't see the pips on her uniform <laughs> so Laura was trying to figure out like what rank she was to see how well women are doing on the starship um, but I think <laughs> the fact that a woman was more concerned about her perm um, than being able to show what rank she was really tells you everything you need to know doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> what you failed to take into account Mark is that perm is a rank uh, that's, uh, that's you get four pips and yeah. then before you get the fifth one you get a perm can't wait for Picard to become an admiral together. <laughs> oh, uh, one one other thing is pretty interesting. So one of the kids is like they they've got like special tools so they can like bring out the talents in this kid. It's like that episode of uh, Futurama where um, Fry gets the devil's hands and can yep. suddenly play the holophoner. Um, and there's a musician kid, and they get her to play some stuff. And I think it was absolutely stunning, Mark, that she knocked out a tune in the exact style of the composer of the incidental music for Star Trek. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Minimal effort. You could have hired a second musician. You could have asked that first musician, just do something different, mate. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Who do you think provides the music uh, for the episodes of The Next Generation that Riker is watching? I think it's, that it's, those two, it's those two scantily clad women playing the harp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Riker was enjoying. It was just like, oh, we've got that draft for uh, for for whatever the naked now, and he's like, yeah, let me hear it. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, uh, what else is there to talk about? Oh, Wesley creeps into the Wesley sneakily creeps into the room of a sleeping six-year-old. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, that is a scene that happens in this show. In fact, the only person in this entire episode who I can guarantee you isn't a nonce is Picard, because he's deeply uncomfortable when that child hugs him. Although that might be because he's got an erection. Who knows? <laughs> I've, um, I've, uh, Maybe I've, that's why Picard doesn't like kids. He doesn't trust himself around them. I, I promised Laura a few weeks ago that I was going to stop using pedo jokes as a crutch. <laughs> uh, so I, I have absolutely no comment whatsoever. Um... But, it's literally an episode of Star Trek where they steal kids. There, there was going to be some nonce jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, the I learned something interesting that you know, you know the you know the thing where they go into the power source. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I learned something interesting about that prop. All oh, right, but I forgot it. So. <laughs> 
yeah, um, yeah it, it's, on, it's on memory alpha uh it made it made me go oh yeah. i'll look that up yeah. <laughs> get back to me it, it, it's um so yeah just in case anybody hadn't guessed they can't have kids because it's like a radiation leak from their power source that they don't know how it works there's a bit in this where it's like um they're like uh you don't know anything about how your technology works it's killing you and the bloke just goes no yeah <laughs> it's with all of the smug self-righteous dismissiveness of an anti-vaxxer it's yeah. just casually no not true also the the radiation that's killing them it's not like radiation that they are not aware of or anything they're a they're a super advanced high-tech society and the radiation that's killing them is a greenhouse effect from the sun with their own shields yeah like i i mean obviously this is a television show that was made in the 80s but i find it impossible that a a society could get to that level and haven't solved climate change it doesn't make any sense the problem is they had solved it but like as they claim though like they 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 basically had decided as a society they finished science yeah so they were like oh we'll just do art and music and stuff and i'm not saying art and music has no value but (laughs) imagine if we'd done that in like the 18th century and not invented the electric fucking guitar or the internet you know it's you've got a, a or it's like you need to like if you're the supercomputer running this civilization there should be a part of you that goes i'm gonna need at least 10 percent of these fuckers to know basic maths yeah uh, but, uh, yeah at the end of the day there, there is no point in saving the species if we don't have art or music uh yeah which is a paraphrase of a winston churchill quote um yeah and another paraphrase of a winston churchill quote would be where would Britain be if it wasn't for the concentration camps we made in uh, Africa? <laughs> so, I, I think what he actually said was something like, "You drink too much, or I, you're ugly in the morning, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm just hungover." But what he was talking about um, is uh, is concentration camps. He was he, he was he was a very funny man for a horrible racist. Uh, <laughs> Oh, look at, I just want to be clear, Winston Churchill, not the most horrible racist of the time. In fact, it's, there's light years between him and the next next tier up, uh, and that's why he was the good guy. But it doesn't mean he was actually a good guy. Nah. Um, no. But he, he did somewhat contribute to, to, to beating the Nazis. See, I can just give him actual credit for good things yeah. that he did, uh, but uh, also fuck him. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. My biggest question is I don't understand what. So here's a question for you, Mark. If I was going through all of like the major qualities of Winston Churchill, right? Um, uh, he was a Fat. he was a deci- he was a decisive. Played by Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a decisive leader. Uh, I'll give him that. Uh, he wasn't afraid to make brave decisions. Um, he was incredibly faithful to his wife. Like he never cheated on her or, or like did it away from her. And he, he, took, he also he, changed his mind on things when presented with new evidence and life experience, which I yeah. genuinely respect. And and he also um, like seriously like actually dealt with a genuine mental health struggle that he openly talked about and was okay with. And he was a racist. Yeah. Now, what the reason I bring that up is I can't see any but one of those qualities that our current prime minister who calls that man a hero actually would think of as a good thing except for the racism is that the only reason boris likes winston churchill well you know what they say eddie you fuck one sheep um are you have you got anything else because we've got dinner reservations uh at Russia. I mean, all, all I've really got in here is like that. I do find it deeply. It's a very light-hearted episode in terms of approach to what is a deeply disturbing concept. And like I say, it does end with that everyone laughs sitcom ending because Picard has to be in the same room as a child um, and doesn't immediately hit them. Which is like, I suppose as well, there's not a lot of character growth on Star Trek Next yeah. Generation. You get a lot more in Deep Space Nine. If we ever get around to doing that, it's going to be fucking brilliant. But because um, because sh- in Deep Space Nine they're on a space station, it doesn't go anywhere. So the characters instead have to go on emotional journeys. It's it's. it's a, but um, yeah, it's <laughs> when when that kid showed up at the at the end. By the way, I pointed at the TV and shouted, "That kid doesn't have permission to be on the bridge." Yeah, which is also more or less Picard's response. <laughs> Wesley's <laughs> like, "Please, just give the child thirty seconds before you shout at." <laughs> 
Oh. Oh. The other thing I did want to say, actually, because this occurred to me, um, the society in this, because they've got the technology, but they don't understand how the technology works, so they're just kind of maintaining it. That's actually, like, the entire basis for, like, the Empire, like, the Imperium in um, Warhammer 40k. Right. That's their like whole thing. That's like they have they have like they have machine priests, and it's just people who learn all of like the schematics of all of the machines, oh. so they can put them back exactly that way if they get damaged. And it's like it's like basically it's like a religion where you're taught like scripture, and you right. have to remember it exactly. And as such, their entire society is in steady decline. That's fun. <laughs> and the em- and the emperor is like a corpse on a throne that's being kept alive <laughs> by like a suit. That's like a, an old style, like it's just been really important. Yeah, like like, bit of t- that, yeah, that keeps him alive, but it's been there for a millennia, and he's just in constant agony, but can't communicate to the outside world, and everybody worships him. Uh, that's yeah. how I feel um, on a day to day basis. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to get, you've got to stop being carried around on that front. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, good episode. Yeah, I think, like, yeah. like good episode, yeah. It's some interesting ideas. It didn't go too deep on any of them, but they were, they were neither, interesting enough. Neither the Picard speech at the end. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I'll tell you the one thing that I do find something that something in this that is mentioned that I, I would that doesn't really get developed on, but would be interesting if it did, is this idea that humans are like uniquely attached to their children. I it would have been fascinating if that had been more of a thing, mm. like throughout like the rest of like if like when. Like uh, later on, Worf's kid shows up, and if Worf just did not give a fuck, like it wasn't like I'm trying to bond with my child. It's like I have left the child with food and water in a cupboard somewhere. I have an imaginary woman to fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean that could have been fun, but yeah, overall good. It was a good episode. This is very much. I don't know if we're comparing it to the previous one, which is just god awful. But yeah, no, I, I I liked it. I had fun. It felt like Star Trek. Yeah. Not great Star Trek, but felt like Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. I also like that they just, at the end of this episode, they go, we've reseeded the Rosona there. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's just a thing we can do. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Overall, pretty great. Yeah. I enjoyed um, it. I recommend this one, actually. Seek it out. It's quite fun. Yeah. It, 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 like, basically most things from season three onwards is going to kick it in the absolute shins. Um, yeah. But for a, for a season one episode, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Enjoyed it. All right. Go yeah. enjoy your meal then. I will do. Thank <laughs> okay. you. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, right. let us all know next week. Okay. Yeah, I'll do. All right. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>